Our Lord God Almighty reigns. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Amen. Today's scripture for grace and guidance and growth is the epistle you just heard from 1 Peter chapter 3. I've got the English standard version here and I'm going to read the second half but at the first part it mentions that uh, you should have no fear nor be troubled and then the encouragement always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you but then it, it gives that hope I've got it on the screen at least parts of it so you can follow along Peter writes for Christ also suffered once for sins the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few that is eight persons were brought safely through the water Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and, and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. In the name of that Christ with all those things he did indeed the opening point of the sermon I'm going to make by mentioning Holy Communion today right at the start this is a huge day for me personally because I am one of those who have not been to the meal basically in almost two months although when we recorded the Easter video on what was it the previous Thursday we had a number of people here and we actually did commune that day and I guess Monday Thursday also but other than that it's been about two months and today I gather with you the church my new congregation uh, around the table with our Lord and I know it's the same for you today. Whether you've been communing at home or otherwise, there's something special here now in person. When you were instructed about the Lord's Supper, confirmation class, either as a youngster or an adult, I sure hope you learned 1 Corinthians 11.26. It's fundamental. It says, as often as you eat this bread and drink this wine, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. When we come to Holy Communion, we are proclaiming not only repentance and, and trust in him, his true body and blood here, but we are proclaiming specific things about Jesus, his death, that he was crucified to pay for our sins and his return in glory, right? Until he comes. 
I mean, our proclamation is that maybe, best of all, we would not even have this meal here today, that he would appear before the end of the worship service in glory and we'd be at the heavenly banquet. That's being proclaimed. And indeed, not just with Holy Communion, with everything in your life, as you bear witness to your Savior, you are proclaiming specific things about him. And I think this Sunday, as I looked at the scriptures assigned for today, I think this Sunday is a Sunday really to emphasize that, especially with 1 Peter chapter 3 before us. Because Peter here, as you see so often in scripture, goes through those, those saving acts of Jesus. I got them highlighted in pink on, on the board here today. It starts off, Christ suffered. There's his suffering, his, his passion. He suffered for us. He was put to death. There's his crucifixion. It goes on to say, made alive again. And he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. He descended into hell. And that's going to be the topic today. He goes on to talk about his resurrection. And finally, he says he has gone into the heavens. His ascension Thursday is the ascension of our Lord. Ascension Day, a big festival. I hope you mark it in your daily devotions. And in a way, he implies Christ's return and glory. Everything is subjected to him. Almost the Apostles' Creed there, right? Those events also in the Nicene Creed. But the one that's not in the Nicene Creed that is in the Apostles' Creed is that descent into hell. He was made alive in the Spirit in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. He descended into hell, we confess, not on communion Sundays, but... Otherwise, in the baptism creed. And I think you know that is much misunderstood amongst people. That article of faith, that specific thing, you, you are proclaiming about Jesus. I'm going to get a little academic here at the start of the sermon and ask the questions we need to ask about Christ's descent into hell. First of all, when did it happen? Many people, as they confess the creed, think it's a reference to him on the cross. There on the cross, he's descending into hell and taking all the, the slings and, and arrows of the devil. And indeed he was, but that's not... The, the event to which First Peter refers. Some think after the cross there, after he died, there was some metaphysical uh, descent into hell where he suffered some more. Neither of those two is an option. Especially after his death, he commended himself to his father's hands previously saying, it is finished, all his suffering. And 1 Peter chapter 3 here makes it very clear here. He, he was made alive in the spirit in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Jesus is alive when he does this. This occurred when? On Easter morning sometime. <laughs> There we might get metaphysical that uh, beyond time and space, he went to that realm of, of God's prison here. 
before he emerged from the tomb and the angel rolled the stone away. But why? Why did Jesus descend into hell again? It was not to suffer. It's not a sad portion of the creed. People say it that way. He descended into hell. No. It was also not in order to save. You will hear this in Christian circles. He went and proclaim to the spirits in prison. The next chapter does talk about the gospel being preached to those who are dead, but that's a reference to the gospel being preached to the people while they were alive and are now dead, not to Jesus going to the realm of the damned to give them another second opportunity to be saved. Now you can tell from the context here and from other scriptures, he proclaimed here his victory. He proclaimed to those who were disobedient in the days of Noah when God's patience waited and waited and waited and they would not repent as they heard about God's righteousness from the preacher of righteousness, Noah. Now some were saved, but not, not these people. And by inclusion, you could add all the unbelievers before this time. Jesus went to the realm, I wouldn't say realm, to the prison of Satan. And there he locked the door. You lose, devil. And all those who might be deluded otherwise, you lose. I tell teenagers, he spiked the football after a touchdown. His descent into hell is part of his exaltation, alive in the spirit. He proclaims his victory. It's clear from other sections of scripture. I tried to find a picture of Christ's descent into hell so to speak, on the internet this week, and this was the best I could find. I'm not sure of all the details, but there he is with the, the cross, which he endured victorious. There's a chasm there, see? A separation that cannot be crossed. Jesus said so in the story of the rich man and Lazarus, and that may be Michael, the archangel who battled with Satan. But a better, more simple picture is this. You just sang about it in that hymn, Genesis 3.15, the first prediction of the Savior. A descendant of Eve would crush the devil's, the serpent's head, even though he would bruise his heel. It's all part of that. Colossians chapter 1 says he disarmed rulers and authorities and put them to open shame, triumphing over them. That's what happened when Christ descended into hell. Ephesians chapter 4 gives the application, though, for our lives. I think one amongst many. It says when he ascended on high, he led hosts led a host of captives, that might refer to the saved, and he gave gifts to men. 
in saying he ascended, what does it mean? That he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers to equip the saints. He showered his people with gifts as gifts themselves. He went to the depths to pull us up to serve in ministry with all his gifts. And to serve with the confidence that Christ descended into hell. Our Lutheran confessions, I know there's a number of people who have subscribed to them, emphasize in the, what is it, the Book of Concord, Article 9, we believe that after the burial, the entire person of Christ, God and man, descended into hell, conquered the devil, destroyed hell's power, took from the devil all his might. When I teach junior confirmation and, and this truth about the Apostles' Creed, I emphasize to the youngsters that I will support them one Sunday in front of their parents if they want to say this line of the Apostles' Creed, not, he descended into hell, but rather, he descended into hell! Well, maybe not without the woohoo. <laughs> because that's the point. And it's applied in our baptism. Peter refers to baptism here. You are amongst those whom the water has, has saved. Luther would shout at Satan, but I am baptized when he was tempted, when he was tested. We sing hymns at Satan. Satan, you wicked one, own now your master. And even the children's song, I've got the joy, 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 joy. God, that added stanza, I hope you know. And if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack, right? We with Jesus can make this proclamation of his victory. He has no power. He is bound. He makes noise, we'll hear next week, like a roaring lion. But he has no power. Even though Jesus called him the prince of this world, at the same breath, he said, he is judged. <laughs> The victory is done. The battle is o'er. So as you go forth, I, the homework assignment today is just to proclaim to Satan some things this week. You know, as you're facing COVID-19 or the decline of COVID-19, you say, Satan, you have no power here. Whether you're facing the life or death or in between, Satan, I am baptized. We're now finally getting started on this interim year in person. There's still going to be a time of transition for Trinity Lutheran Church. Some ups and downs. We proclaim Christ descended into hell. He has all power here. And in your personal life as you are tempted by Satan, to hold on to your guilt. I am so much. The devil, as I walk 
out of here will say, Craig, you're not practicing what you're preaching. And I'm not. And I confess it and bury it at the cross and say, Satan, you have no power here. And Christ gives me strength to do better, you too, in your personal mission and ministry. It's, it's a powerful, powerful truth. Larry and I talked about one hymn to sing today and, and, and chose not to do it. But maybe later in my year with y'all, there is a hymn that really emphasizes the exclamation point in the sermon title. Today it's in the hymnal. It's back in after centuries of absence in our hymnals. It's Erdman Neumeister's uh, hymn from the 18th century, God's Own Child, I Gladly Say It, a baptism hymn. And it's got this stanza, Satan, hear this proclamation. I am baptized into Christ. Drop your ugly accusation. I am not so soon enticed. Now that to the font I've traveled, all your might has come unraveled. And against your tyranny, Christ my Lord unites with me. He descended into hell. Woohoo! <laughs> and amen.